Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Malthouse Games Podcast. My name is Delton. I'll be your host this afternoon. And with me today is my lovely wife and yellow player, as usual, Haley. Hello there. This is a podcast all about tabletop games, card games, role-playing games, and pretty much everything of that sort. If you're playing it on a table with other people, hopefully we will talk about it. Except Twister. That's not on a table, so boom. Of course, if it was, that sounds really dangerous. Oh my gosh, we should try it. No, no. Okay, I'm I will gonna do set nothing up a, of the sort. I'm gonna set up a Twitter poll for Malthouse Games. No, and we will let the listeners decide. That is something literally nobody wants to see. Everybody wants to see it. You just make me want to drink immediately <laughs> with your horrible ideas. <laughs> so I'm pouring the beer while you're yapping about a bad idea. <laughs> Chock full of good ideas. We had an adventurous two weeks. We did. Since the last episode, we had a very uneventful 4th of July. We went bowling, which was a lot of fun. We wore patriotic shirts. I wore my Politicat debate shirt, and Delton wore his, what is it? American American Nightmare Nightmare Cody Cody Rhodes shirt. Yep. So that's basically the most patriotic thing we did. I wrote an Ogle article on being patriotic. We went bowling, and then we made poutine, and then we took a nap. I know. It's the 4th of July, and we make poutine, which is kind of known to be an iconic Canadian thing. Which I really didn't even think of. The only thing that was going through my mind was, no, this is an easy junk food that we can eat on all day long, because you can have gravy for breakfast and for lunch and for dinner and for snacks. And so that's really what was going through my mind. And then I was like, oh, snap, I made this on America's birthday. I hope I don't go to American hell. It's pretty great. And then we went to Dallas. What did you get to do, Dallas? Who did you? Dallas. (laughs) Calling me Dallas now. Thank you. What did you get to do, Delton? So we went to Dallas, and if you follow us on social media, at Malthouse Games, M-A-L-T-H-A-U-S Games, then you could see that we went to a New Japan pro wrestling show in Dallas, the first night of the G1 Climax tournament, and it's the first time it's been in the United States. It's every other time since it's been in Japan. So it was very, very cool. I got to high-five Hiroshi Tanahashi as he came down the ramp. Tanahashi is one of my most favorites from New Japan. I don't know why. He's just, he's great. Of course, everybody knows he's a great wrestler and that, whatever. Very good show. A lot of fun. Me and Brian went to the show while Haley and Jessica read at a bar at the hotel like a bunch of old biddies. It was great. There was a solid hour where I was the only person in the bar aside from the bartender. And I just got a beer and I read my book and it was great. That's because everyone else was at the show with us. Uh, You can take them. (laughs) But it was a very cool wrestling show. And if you don't get to see, or if you've never been to a wrestling show and you're at all interested, it's worth going to if you get a chance affordably. This was not affordable because we had rampside seats and it's New Japan. But it was Delton's birthday present. And it's how often does New Japan come through Dallas, Texas? Once. Basically, potentially. Now, supposedly, according to Okada at the end of the show, This will not be their last time. So I think they're planning to come to the U.S. more since their U.S. market, I guess, has opened up so much. But so much fun. Sadly, we had no time for any like game shop trips or anything like that. But we will. We will. A little bit coming up next weekend when we go to Sherman, Texas and visit Jesse and Catherine. Hi, Jesse and Catherine. And thank you for being Patreon backers. Thank you for being a friend. Which leads us to also thank Alan and Allison, our other two amazing 
Patreon backers that back at the level to get a shout out on the podcast. Make sure if you come through Edmond, Oklahoma to go see Allison at the museum and check out the exhibits that he, she helps manage. And then make sure to check out the Tuesday Night Games podcast or come by the Tuesday Night Games booth at Gen Con where Alan is the owner of the company and I will be working. You'll meet your very own Delton Brack. You will. So thank you to everyone. But yes, we're going to go see Jesse and Catherine and stay with them and play games and check out the board game shops and board game cafe they go to and things like that. And it's going to be a great weekend. It is. I'm excited. It's going to be good. We've been traveling a lot and gone to Texas. We'll be twice in two weeks. I'm going to tell a little story. Go for it. About us going to Texas. For some reason, when Delton gets out with his friends and in public places, he thinks he can be a goober. What do you mean a goober? He thinks that he can make fun of me, and he thinks that... (laughs) Hold on. (laughs) How did I make fun of you? You said something smart, Alec, to me in front of uh, Brian. That's every day. That's every day. So it's re- I'm reciprocating. That's all. You're reciprocating what? Yes. What are you reciprocating? <laughs> you're, you're a smart aleck to me, so I'm a smart aleck back. <laughs> this is our relationship. <laughs> it is true, but I have this tactic that I like to use in public, and uh, so basically, I'll take you back. So I did it this weekend in Dallas. I threatened it a few times because Delton was being salty, and I kept seeing people that had T-shirts like Delton. So let's go back to the Primus concert. We're hanging out at the Primus concert. Delton, I don't know. He doesn't. What did you do then? I had my Young Bucks t-shirt on. That was it. You had your Young Bucks t-shirt on, but you said some smart alcohol mark. And I said, yeah. if you're not careful, I'm going to make you a friend. Because you know what? There was another guy about, I don't know, 10 feet away that also had a Young Bucks shirt on. It wasn't Young Bucks, but it was something else Bullet Club at the time. Some so other... wrestling. And he said something smart aleck again. So you know what I did? I went over to that guy about 10 feet away and said, hey, my husband is wearing a Young Buck shirt, too. And you know what happened? Delton got engaged in an open-ended conversation with a complete stranger. I absolutely <laughs> hate conversations with complete random strangers in, like, things where I'm trying to do something. At a concert, I'm trying to watch a show. If, <laughs> if I'm talking to a friend, I don't want to engage with somebody else at the moment. Like, it's a weird thing with random strangers and Lyft drivers. And Haley kept trying to make me friends in Dallas. <laughs> oh, you said, oh, here it was. You were making fun of me for being complicated on the pizza. Maybe. He was making fun of me for being complicated on the pizza and making fun of me in front of Brian and Jessica. And so there's two, these two guys walking down the street. And I do this thing where, you know, if you ask anyone an open-ended question, they're going to give you a lot of information, just, just like in therapy. And so, like, with Lyft drivers, you can get conversations started easily. With random people, you can, too. But I don't join in the conversations. I just point out a similarity between the random stranger and Delton until they're engaged in the conversation and Delton's stuck. It's literally the absolute worst thing (laughs) I can imagine on the face of this planet. If I ever die and hell is real, that would be hell is a permanent open-ended conversation where I have no content to add and the person keeps asking me and talking at me about things in which I do not care. And that would be my own personal (laughs) hell. (laughs) The beer. The first beer for this episode, because it's been poured for a few minutes now. I'm going to get on with this. (laughs) Instead of mercenary, it is mercenary, but M-Y-R-C-E-N-A-R-Y. It is a double IPA from Odell Brewing Co. out of Odell, I'm sorry, out of Fort Collins, Colorado. 
It says brewed with a blend of hops containing the highest levels of uh, myrcene or myrcene. It's I, something in hops. I'm honestly not 100%. A component of essential oils in the hop flavor. There you go. This double IPA prevails with a tropical fruit-like flavor, a pungent floral aroma, and a clean getaway. So there's That's that description. Clever. It's very clever. It is. Let's see if I can find an alcohol content. 9.3% alcohol by volume. So it's got some it's got some uh some guts behind it. Give it a whiff first. It's got a really nice almost pineapple smell. It does smell like pineapples. Just but- give it a taste. I've had this before with Brian. I got this from Brian. Thank you, Brian, for letting me take this. Fantastic, Ooh. right? Right? That's really good. The front hits you with pineapple through the aroma to a, a very acidic fruit flavor. But then in the middle, it begins to mute itself. It's like an alcoholic Haritos. I haven't had a Haritos, I don't think, ever. Really? I've never tried. It just It looks like it's orange or red pop. Like, oh, it's good you know. stuff. But they the have mi- a pineapple one. Oh, is this That's what, what that it kind of tastes up? like. The middle of it brings out some of that, like it says, that floral aroma. It's that earthy hop mm. comes out in mm-hmm. the middle. And then what's the what's the back end of this, that finish? It's really a gentle, gentle finish with a tiny aftertaste that one of the hops comes out with. But it's so good. It's almost like a smooth vanilla. I could kind of see that, yeah. It's a very good double IPA. Yes, very good. Highly recommend. Thanks, I will, Brain. I will say, I like double IPAs or black or red IPAs, or if you can ever find a triple IPA, which is not often. Those are my favorite because the malts help balance out the ridiculous hop intensity, and you not only get a higher alcohol content, a little bit sweeter beer, but to me, the flavor's more balanced and rounded, and it just makes for the better IPA, I think. I like beer. Even though this beer has a high alcohol content, it's really one that like you could see yourself just sitting back on a beach, having this drink under an umbrella, and just viewing the beautiful sunset over water. Oh, here's the door. It's straight ahead. It's it's a game. Get it? Get it? It's the name of the game. It's the name of the game. Boo. <laughs> The game for this episode is Sunset Over Water. I was trying to think of a fun transition. I hoped that at least came through a little bit. Yeah. Probably not. Reaching for the stars there, man. (laughs) And reach, I will. This is produced through Pencil First Games. The game production is Eduardo Barath. Game design is Steve Finn. The solo variant design is by Keith Matejka. Illustration by Beth Sobel. Graphic design by Benjamin Schulman. And the meeple artist was Helen Zhu. I know we've talked about this before, but I just want to say Beth Sobel has some fantastic artwork and graphic design. She's very good at gentle, pretty pictures. Like that is like, I feel like her wheelhouse is, I want a scene and I want it to be really soft and beautiful. And she nails it. Like you feel like her paintings, you could nap in them. <laughs> like that's, that's what I look like. This game, that's accurate for sure. Like any of these uh, so there's probably about 20 different landscapes on the cards in this game. And every one of them, I'd look at it, I'm like, yeah, that'd be a good place to take a nap. They're all outdoor scenes, but they just look so cozy and nap-worthy. So the text on the front of this rulebook really sets the feel for this game, as Haley is saying, taking a nap. 
the main focus of this game are cards that have landscapes painted on them. And they're very pretty landscapes. So that's why Sunset Over Water, you could describe some of these. There are sunsets over water in the imagery. But on the front of this game, it says the beautiful wilderness. Sometimes you need to get off the beaten path to find a beautiful landscape to paint. Wake up early, hike deep into nature, and find your perfect spot. Some paintings sell for commissions, others you'll keep for yourself. You're always going that extra mile to find inspiration. So it's all about painting. So the way this game is going to work is you lay out 25 of these landscape cards in a 5x5 grid. Your meeples go in the center. Simultaneously, you take your tiny deck of basically action cards, is what I'm going to call them. I don't know what the actual name is. Let's see what the actual name is according to the rulebook. Your planning cards. Those cards have three things on them. What time you wake up, which determines who goes first, second, and third how many movements and what direction those movements can be, and how many of those landscape cards you pick up, which represents you painting that landscape. Then after you take your turn of moving and picking up paintings, you fulfill essentially orders that come out. Commissions. Commissions, where the commission could say, you need one landscape that has a mountain, some flowers, and some water in it, and then another picture can just have, you know, two of anything. So it can have a lake and some trees. Or just one in the sun. Or just one as long as the sun's featured. As long as you have those landscapes, whether from previous turns or this one, you can turn those in, take that commission, and the next player gets to go. This is not a difficult game. It- Th- that's pretty much the ex- like all the rules aside from some small ones. And I finally won. We've played this game oh five times. Oh my gosh, I have been trying... So I, I get fixated if I can't win a game. Like it's a, it's not like a I'm frustrated if I don't win. It's like I feel so challenged and I have to overcome this. I have to figure out how to win this dad gum game and by god today I won. I've been not wanting to play it because I had a winning streak of never having lost. And whenever I won, I set the highest record for the highest score. The highest score, which is now Haley is 36. Below that has a 33 and a 32. Which both of those are Deltons. No, the 32, well, yeah, I've got 32, but you had 32 as your highest, but 33 was mine. So this game is very simple as I described it. The only other rules are there are bonus objectives, such as if you're the last player to move horizontally, then you take a two-point bonus card. The point cards are worth anywhere from three to six. Uh, The commission card's worth points. And then at the end of the game, if you have any landscapes in front of you, for every two symbols, so either a lake, uh, a waterfall, flowers, mountains, sun, for every two of those on landscape cards you did not use to fill commissions, you get a point for every two, and you add up points, and that's the game. Very simple. The only other details, which I have found is a very good strategy, and me and Haley have been using this, is if you take a landscape card it will leave an empty spot on that 25-card grid, that 5x5, five five, until the end of everyone's turns, and then you have your cleanup where you put out new commissions, fill in the cards. You cannot travel with your meeple through that blank spot. So if you pick up a card and you think your opponent was going to go through that area, they can no longer go that way through that blank spot. Delton made it to where I literally could not move my last turn, and I would have won. He was being a communist. Well, I had to, what I had to do was say, this is where I can get the most points. And if it hurts Haley, I'm, that's, I'm not going to be upset about it. And that's what I did, which you did that to me today. 
You took exactly the, what I was taking. You could still move. I literally I could. couldn't move. You took my one move away last time. That's why I'm making you random friends with people in public. That's very salty true. with me in board games. <laughs> one thing that's very cool about this game is your planning cards. So on your turn, you draw three, you pick one, the other two go on the bottom of the little deck, and then you all reveal simultaneously, telling you who goes first. It goes from times from 5 a.m. to noon. But here's what I like about those cards in this game is each four colors are different 15-minute increments. So this solves the issue of ties. And I thought that was brilliant because if somebody plays their 5 o'clock for the purple, that's 5.15. If they play the 5 o'clock for the green, I think it's right at 5 o'clock. And right. I think the gray is 5.45 and the orange is 5.30. That's exactly right. And so the thing I like about that is it breaks ties. The other thing I like about that is if you play this game enough, you can learn what cards you have. At least, like, I know my 5 o'clock can't beat Haley's 5. So as long as she plays her 5 before I do, then I know I will be first no matter what when I play it. Because when you use these schedule cards, they go away. You discard it, so it's gone. So if you use your one card in the 5 o'clock hour and your one card in the 6 o'clock hour, you will never be able to use those again for the rest of that game. It's kind of like an analogy to our week. We wake up at 5 o'clock on Monday, and then maybe 6 o'clock on Tuesday, <laughs> and the rest of the week we're just like, F it, snooze and snooze and snooze and snooze. That's kind of how it feels sometimes, yeah. But that's a really neat thing in the game, because then it's, it's making me consider what I'm choosing, when I'm choosing it, and making me think what cards are on the bottom of the deck. Because you can pick the order you put those two you didn't choose. Right. So you can noon. choose to put your noon card all the way at the bottom to save for the end or kind of let it work its way up a little bit faster to show up sooner. Because here's the thing, you don't necessarily want to be the first player because there are bonuses in the game that, for example, are be the last player to move diagonally, be the last player to paint a three-item painting. And that doesn't mean that the last player is going to be that last player because you know, the last player might not fulfill that requirement. But if you're the first player in a five-player game, more than or a four-player game, it goes up to four, right? Yes, just four. If you're the first player in a four-player game, more than likely that last person bonus is going to be taken. But if you're the first player in a two-player game like Delton and I, sometimes you still take that bonus if you are the first player. And the trade-off there is if you're the first player, you get first choice. That's a big deal. But if you're last player, it, it kind of just depends on your strategy. If you're like, hey, I'm not going to be able to fulfill any of these commissions this turn. I'm just going to go late and hope they leave enough open because the later cards tended to have more options of moving. You can either move up, down, left, right, or at diagonals, and the cards tell you what you can do. Some are only diagonals. Some are only up, down, left, right. Some are diagonals, both upward diagonals and straight up, and downward diagonal and straight down, but not left and right. And they do that kind of split. So you have to look at that as well when you're planning. But the game's been really fun. I mean, there's not a ton to it. It's very simple. I don't think we've played a game past 18 minutes. Yeah, and we're averaging probably about 13, 14 right now. That's about it. I think today's game was like 12 and a half. And like, this is a game that I could take on a train. It was, it, laying it out, it's a little bigger. You're going to need like a you, big table. Yeah, you would have to have one of those booth tables in the sitting area. But I would take this on a train. I would take this back to my parents' house. I would play this with my sister. I would play this with my game group. It's like a filler game in between. It is a very fun, light, aesthetically pleasing, enjoyable game. It's very, very simple. It's Do you want to sit down and just kind of have a fun game with relaxing imagery? 
and this is a really good game for it. I expected this to be something neat. We could show people that don't play a lot of games with us, but I've actually had a lot of fun, and there's several times we've played now where we've immediately played another game. We've played it, and we've played it again right there in succession. And I think that, that says something about it because there's not many games we play and immediately go, all right, let's do that one more time. But this one we have two of the three times. And I think the only reason we didn't play it today a second time is our food arrived because we did some Postmates. Tidalite. Tidalite's the best. But it's a very good game. Now, we have not tried the solo game. There is a solo game, uh, two pages of the rules. It is called Wanderlust, uh, rules for solo play. And I have not tried that out. And so for any of you that like solo gaming, I can't say as to how good that is or how bad that is or how much more fun or not fun that is. But I'm expecting it to be pretty good because just the the game's relaxing. It's enjoyable. It's simple. It's a perfect game to start your game night, to go between games, or to play a couple in a row if you have friends that like it. It's a very peaceful palate cleanser. It really is. It's a very, very cool little game. And I'm very glad I was able to pick it up at PB&J down the street. This is the one I went to get at Gen Con last year, and the lady in front of me bought the last copy as we stood there. And I asked the person, it was at the Thunderworks booth, I said, well, do you have Sunset Over Water? I've been circling this area, not being able to find you, because I did. I walked right past them like eight times. And she said, oh, that lady bought the last copy. And I was like, oh, geez. And then that lady offered to sell it to us for the same price, just so we could get it. And I was like, no, it's fine. You beat me here. Do not worry about it. She was very kind. Yes. But luckily, it was right down the street, so that was really nice. And we got to support our friendly local game store. Boom. Always good as long as they are friendly. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. But yeah, so Sunset Over Water from Pencil First Games. I recommend you check it out. It's been a really cool game. We've liked it a lot, and we're going to be showing this to friends because for those people that don't want a complex game or they want something lighter to take to families, this is a really good one. I will say one more little tidbit is we've been using the like card and bit holder from Board Game Geek online. It's the silicone thing where you could use it for like holding your hand of cards and your coins and bits in in games, kind of an accessory. Hand we've been bits. using it, yeah, I know. We've been using it to hold the bonus card and the three active commissions in this game to make it easier on us to view and I really like it. And we've used the bit bowl before and I actually really like those accessories. I know they're super unnecessary. But as you were going to say, thank you, Zach and Sarah, because that is what I spent my birthday money because you guys are great and got me a gift card to the Board Game Geek store. Thank you. But I really enjoy those as well. So I think that wraps up the game talk. Obviously, we're very positive. We like this game a lot. Let's move on to the topic and see what we came up with. Hey, what can I get you? I'd like a topic. Any special way? Make it a top shelf topic. Coming up. Enjoy. Before kicking into the topic, let's open this second beer. This is also from Odell Brewing, so the same company as that first one. This is Sippin' Pretty, a fruited sour. That's a really clever name, Sippin' Pretty. Isn't it? That's cute. It's got hummingbirds uh, eating nectar out of some flowers on the front. Very pretty can. You're Sippin' Pretty. The alcohol content is only 4.5, so it's a lot lower than what we just had. It's half. It's literally, <laughs> it's, it's less than half. Jiminy Christmas. Did you give me like, what What was that beer? That was 9.5 and this is 4.5. Oh, crackers. Right? So on the text, this is kind of hard to read. It says, more of a mantra than a beer, Sippin' Pretty is a fruited sour ale loaded with our unique blend of, is it a sai, guava, and elderberry and balanced with a delicate addition 
of Himalayan, uh, I can't read that, Himalayan pink sea salt. This beer pops with a bright ruby color and a refreshing tart finish. So sit back, relax, and sip on something pretty. That's a really, I like their little taglines they have, their little descriptions. They're doing really well. And the can, the graphic design of the cans is nice. Like it's artwork all the way around the can. It's well done. It's unique. Where is this beer out of? Uh, It's Fort Collins, Colorado. Really? So it's just right. I mean, it's a neighboring state. I almost said right up the road, but it's like, you know, Fort Collins is what, 15 hours? Right across the border. It's a ways from here. Look at that color. That is gorgeous. It looks like pink lemonade. I'll take the lesser field this one this time. My tummy's full. Ooh, it smells like grapefruits. Does it? Ooh, really strong like grapefruit. Jeez. That's a very strange smell. It is a soured ale, so it's going to be very different than that IPA. That's a nasty look from Haley. It tastes like grapefruit juice, and I was not expecting that. It is pretty tart. No, it just tastes like grapefruit juice, like you squeezed a grapefruit into a cup. I was expecting beer. Like, it's like if you go to take a drink of water and you get a mouthful of milk, you're like, I'm surprised. I'm not opposed, but I'm surprised. <laughs> it's like you know? when, when you have a red Gatorade and you accidentally drink your friend's blue Gatorade and it tastes horrible because you weren't expecting it, that kind of thing. It's more of a mental trip up. Like, second drink just now, my face is not making that face. It actually tastes really good. It just, like I was expecting beer and I got grapefruit juice. I could see that. The tart is not too tart, which is good. The grapefruit flavor is not super strong, which is good for me. It's a little on the thinner side. Mm-hmm. Not watered down, but it's approaching. It, it's almost as if you had a few ice cubes that are half melted. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? A yeah. little bit watered down, but not enough to actually call it watered down. Your tagline should be the beer that prevents scurvy. Because there's enough citrus in it? Yep. I can get a little bit of the saltiness they talked about. But it's not bad. It's not my favorite sour. But it's not a bad sour. I much prefer the double IPA. Yes, I mean, it is good, I, but I'm like Delton. I, yeah. I prefer the double IPA. If you hand me this on a hot summer day, I'm not going to refuse. That's essentially where we're at. It's good. It's not my right. favorite, but it's good. Better than Bud Light. So for the topic today, yes, better than Bud Light. A good clink on that. So the topic for today, we wanted to discuss a little more about the, I guess you could call it mechanic or mechanism of when games have you choose your player order. So in Sunset Over Water, you choose your player order by when you look at those three cards from your little planning deck, you pick what time you want to wake up, and that is going to decide the player order. Now, given no, you can't choose all the way from 5 to 12 at the same time. You have to choose from three cards. But you still have a choice based off those cards of how early or late you want to wake. And that is something that not a lot of games have, but the more I play with that sort of mechanic, the more I find I enjoy it. I feel like you have a little more mastery over the game. It at least makes you think that, yes. Yes. Well, (laughs) so something like Dead of Winter. Dead of Winter, you don't necessarily choose uh, what time you go, but the first player rotates and rotates backwards. So Mm -hmm. you kind of have to, especially if you're the trader, plan accordingly. Or if you guys are trying to get a number of resources and the, the initial player changes constantly, you have to plan accordingly for that. It's not just... Okay, well, Delton's turn is coming up in three moves. No, it's like, oh, snap. Delton's been pushed back to the end of the line. 
Or something like viticulture is another one. You have to actually choose what time you get up. Yeah, and it's the same. Another game that does that, the first one that I have ever played that did that, and I enjoyed it then. It's when I only had like 10 games was Fresco from Queen Games. Fresco has it where you choose. I don't remember the specifics of it because you have a hidden player board that you make your action selections on and then you reveal. And I believe one of those is picking your time. And it's been a while since I've played, so I'm going to be off on that a little. However, you do pick your time you wake up. And depending on how early or how late you wake up is how sad or happy your workers are, but also how quickly you get to take different actions. Right. And I like in games that that makes such a difference because when you play a game like, let's say, Agricola, you know, one that a lot of people know, in Agricola, you just take the action that says you'll be the first player. And then you're the first player and it goes clockwise. But instead of that, if everybody got to choose, then it wouldn't be just clockwise. It could go me to across the table to that person's left to across the table and all four players have their turn, but it's completely wonky, you know? And like you were saying with Dead of Winter, most games, the first player marker just rotates. If it moves at all. If it moves at all. And if it does, then you can plan for that saying, okay, well, I'll be first player on this turn. I have to make sure I have my stuff prepared. But when a game allows you to say, all right, this turn, I want to be first if I can. I'm going to try as hard as I can to get first. Or I don't need to right now. I don't even need to go second or third. Let me be dead last and potentially get a benefit from it. Then I can try to go earlier next in hopes to activate my stuff sooner. And it does, it gives you that choice, as you say, that control over the game a little bit. But it's almost kind of also a mind game with your opponents. Right. Because do you want to waste your 5 a.m. card on Delton who's going to play his noon? Probably not necessarily. So you kind of have to read your opponent. What are they going for? Are they going to be early as well? Are they going to be late? Because you could be, you know, planning that, ah, I think they're going to be a little late this time, so I'm going to go ahead and play my 10 card. Well, then they play their 5 card, their 5 a.m. card, and they totally beat you to what you're going to do. So it's kind of a, like Delton said, a mind game in it. You have to read people. You have to kind of figure out what their plays are going to be before you make your own. But even in a situation like that, if you play a 10 and they played their 5 to get their first, now you know their 5 is burned. That is true. So there's also that where you could bait people. You could make people think you want one thing. I don't know. That would be kind of hard to do in Sunset Over Water, depending on how many choices are out. Because being that it's a 25-card grid, a 5 by 5 if you move diagonally or you move horizontally, like if you think about it, if you go up to the right or to the right, there's going to be cards that if you moved three in either of those directions, you can't access this turn, right? There's always going to be cards no matter how many movements you get because I guess one thing we didn't say is when you move, you move in a straight line and that's it. And you can move up to a certain number. So you're going to have to set plays up in that game. And so there's going to be things you want to race people to by moving and then moving again, depending on that. So picking that time, it really just becomes a critical thing in this game. I'm excited to play this with four players. I think we should take this to Jesse and Catherine's next weekend and bust it out and see how it goes. Yeah, totally. I have a feeling it's going to get a little more hairy when it comes to movements by the time you're the third or fourth player. I'm sure that the point scores, like one person's score, is going to be significantly lower with four players. And I also imagine that many plans will be messed up and the entire feel of the game is going to change. I'm excited for it. I think it's one game that the, the, the feel is going to change, your strategy is going to change, how you approach your tactical 
like changing of plans is going to be altered. And I think it's going to make the game very different from two players to four players. And probably three is going to feel different than two and four. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I don't think it's going to be bad. I just think it's going to be different. And I don't know if I'll like four as much as two, because as you said, it'll be very hectic. Right. Because you get cut off now from what you want. Just wait until there are three, uh, two other people on the board, because the tiles do not fill until the round is over. So if Delton has blocked off a route for me on this round, then I can't go that route. Yep, it's really going to change it a lot. But I'm excited. I'm excited as well. But for the time mechanic, I think that's something that I wish more games had. It's something I would like to see implemented. And as I said in the description of this game, I loved that they solved the tiebreaker by doing a 5 o'clock, 5.15, 5.30, 5.45. And then a 6, a 6.15, a 6.30, a 6.45. I think that's so smart because it prevents ties. The thing is, you just have to make sure that if you play this enough, people that know those decks get them randomly. I think that's the only thing is you shuffle up the meeples and deal them out. That's what we did tonight is we kept our meeple colors, but we randomly dealt who got what color of deck. And we tried to play with one of the colors at least was different than what we've been using. But I just really like the time mechanic of selecting your time you wake up or the time you start or the player order or however you want to phrase it or theme it. But I just think that's a really good one. And it just, it it needs to be put in more games. I think it really does make for a more unique experience right now. And I would like to see more of it. I would too. So since we're talking about time, there's one piece of time that every board game has. And now, join us. For a Malt House Games podcast special, bite size question. Boo! That was a that was a really bad transition. Boo! I can't do anything better. So what am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> the question for this episode. I want to ask it. Okay. I forgot what the question of the episode is. It may be a repeat from an earlier episode, a little bit, but we thought we would revisit this because we're a year and a half into this podcast what's your favorite length of board game yes what length of board game is your favorite Haley? you start us off i like an hour and a half board games i feel like anything less than an hour your setup and your learning or your relearning or your refreshing kind of overshadows the actual play of the game anything longer than an hour and a half you're starting to get sleepy and you're starting to get snacky you might even start to get grumbly so an hour and a half is my perfect length of board games and surprisingly mine's very similar i think an hour and a half to two once you break over two hours it really starts to push it depending on the game but i think the hour and a half to two hour mark is where you can get into a game that has a lot of depth and decision making and interesting interaction which is why it's usually that hopefully hopefully (laughs) hopefully that's why it's that long of a game but i find that to be better once you get longer than that It's either because there's so many people or because it's the type of game that is doing the same thing over and over again, but drawing it out a bit. Now, I don't think it's bad to go over because obviously Dominant Species, Twilight Struggle, games we enjoy that can. Then on the other hand, going under, I think you're for the most part correct of once it's under an hour setup teaching and everything. So in that regard, the simplicity of the game is going to matter. Sunset Over Water, I can teach you it in less than five minutes. We can play it in less than 20. That's awesome. But if it takes me 20 minutes to explain a game and we play it in 45, that's half the game length I've already spent explaining. 
it's fine not if that it, you know, I won't. Of course, not that you won't. However, there is a consideration there of if someone says, I want to play a game for 30 minutes. Well, that one's out because teaching it's going to take half of that time, then another 30 on top of that for playing. You know? You know, whenever we played games growing up, we would play things like Candyland or even Taboo or Uno. And those games maybe last 30 minutes, maybe 45 minutes if you're pushing it. Yeah. I remember like, when Delton first introduced board games to me and I was looking at the back of the box, I was like, "Ah, oh, snap, this game takes an hour and a half. Ah, oh, snap, this game takes up to two hours. And I feel like that's a big deterrent for people whenever they're first getting into gaming. They're like, oh, snap, this is such a long game. This is an hour and a half. This is two hours. But y'all, remember, you played about six hours of Monopoly once a year and started fights with your family that lasted for decades. <laughs> like, you guys are used to six-hour board games. Might as well play a fun one. That's exactly. I mean, that's a that's a big thing is it can be a deterrent to people. Yeah, because people want to sit down and they want to play, you know, Cards Against Humanity. They want to play Uno. They want to play Exploding Kittens. They want something that takes no explanation, hardly sit down and play it. So I think for a shorter game, that is definitely something that needs to be focused on is streamline rules, quick teaching, easy setup. But for something six hours long, like Twilight Struggle, I will sit through an hour-long real explanation. Well, the thing about that, too, though, is you know what you're getting into. And I think that's the key with time lengths of game is... Preparing yourself. You don't want to look at a game box that says an hour, and every single time you've played it, it takes two. Right. You know, Just like you don't want to take a drink of a beer and get grapefruit juice. (laughs) Because it all... It always throws you off. It throws you off and it makes it unappealing for a bit until you become used to it. And you're like, oh, it's not so bad. It is what yep. I wanted. This is what you want. The long hour board games. There you go. I That's will... the moral of this story. Good night. Good luck. and God bless America. <laughs> I will say at the end of this rant of times, I will play anything. I'm just going to throw that That's out there. That's what she said. Thank you. I will play any length of game. I have games ranging from this takes five minutes to this takes eight hours. So I say you won't play any game. I won't play any game. However, I will like time constraint wise. I don't really care. Okay. That's okay. Yeah. In the end, I don't care. Yeah. I do have preferred. And I just wanted to point that out that like, if you came to me and be like, this game's gonna take 20 minutes to teach and it's only 20 minutes to play after that. I'm not going to be like, ah, boo, you suck. And then leave. I'm going to play that game. hundred percent. I will be boo. That sucks. And I'm going to leave. That's fine. You can be, uh, you can be a poopy pants. You're a poopy pants. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. I will play your game too. I'm just being a snot. Thank you for tuning in to the Malthouse Games podcast, where it's me, Delton, and my wife, Poopy Pants. I'm done being a cow. You're done being a cow now? I'm done being a cow now. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Malthouse Games podcast. Hit us up on social media. Make sure to like, share, and subscribe. You can find us at Malthouse Games, M-A-L-T-H-A-U-S Games, on all social media, especially Twitter. You can find me personally at Delton Brack, D-E-L-T-O-N-B-R-A-C-K. You can find Haley at S-Q-U-I-R-R-E-L-Y-G-E-E-K. Don't forget, we got to shout out our people. Ooh, I almost forgot. Last episode, we did a competition of two truths and a lie. We only had two people throw in guesses. And even though those were incorrect, we are still going <laughs> to shout you out. It's just not going to be as special as it would have been. And we will tag you in the Twitter post. First of all is Anakin OU, father, husband, gamer, geek. Thank you for your responses. What were they, Delton? So the one that both people missed, we had at Anakin OU on Twitter. We also had Sir Ben Canellis. 
designer of Three Laws that you heard about. Uh, if not last episode, the episode before, my episodes are running together in my head. Uh, ben mirrored at Anakin OU's response, and the one that they both missed, they had your CIA one called out correctly. Damn. But they missed it on my drum one. I did not compete in a competition in Oklahoma City, but I did win a talent show in high school for a convention for this thing called Beta, B-E-T-A. For some reason, we were Beta, not Alpha. I don't know. But we had state. It's because it was Gary. It was Beta State in Oklahoma City. We stayed at a hotel, bunch of people in a convention hall, and I won the two-person talent show, which makes this even a sadder thing with a drum solo. So, Hey, I'm proud of you. There we go. And I did play on local TV as well. They recorded a very short snippet in our high school, and I was drumming barefoot on the TV. For KOKH Fox 25 News. It was. It was indeed. Me and Cullen. Oh, Co- and Morgan and Joey, actually. We were all it. on there. I want to find it. It's like three seconds, but yeah. But I'm there you go. It. So Ben and Anakin OU, thank you both for contributing answers, because you are the only ones I can find. I double-checked the email today, and I double-checked my Twitter today, and that's the only responses I could see. I am so happy that you guys contributed. Thank you, you very you much. You at least got half of it. You're 50% right. So kudos to you. You get one pat on the back, just not two. Yeah. <laughs> one pat for each. There pat. you go. Yeah, left hand for one, right hand for one, double pat. Boom, we're done. All right, moving on. <laughs> we're talking with our hands a lot for two people running a podcast right now. That's, that's very true. This is bad visuals. Nobody can see us. That's fine. Oh, Delton, Delton is now taking off his pants. Oh my God, is that the Muppet Baby tattoo on his thighs? stop it. (laughs) If you hit us up on social media and you have a topic you want us to cover, a game to look at, or a question for us to answer here on the show where you can listen to your question being read and answered by us, even though we're kind of lame. You can even choose which one of us reads it. Yes, you can do that on social media, or you can email us, contact at malthousegames.com. If you want to be like our awesome Patreon backers we shouted out early in the episode, go to patreon.com slash malthousegames, or if you just want to do a one-time donation, podpledge.com slash malthousegames. Those funds go toward upping our content by providing upgrades and microphones and equipment and things like that. Next time will be the weekend before Delton goes to... Gen Con. I will be preparing for Gen Con and hopefully have a list of games I will be picking up, which should be fairly short. Sadly, but... Because he is flying this time Ooh. instead of driving with a trunk. Which Yes, I'm flying instead of driving, which means not only suitcase room, but also less money because that money went toward plane tickets. Woo! Whoopee woo. <laughs> I think that wraps this up. I feel like there's something I'm missing. I don't know. But I, I can't see if there's anything I'm missing. I can't think about it. I'm going to finish this grapefruity beer. And then it's hot. I'm going to turn the ceiling fan on after this. Thank you again for listening to this episode. Sit back. (laughs) No, no, you're already messed up. (laughs) Have a drink and have a good time. Oh, you've ruined it. (laughs) Ruined it. (laughs) Until next time, sit back, relax, have a drink, and wait, is it grab a drink? I'm forgetting now. (laughs) You've made me forget. Until Until next next time, time, sit back, back, relax, relax, grab grab a drink, drink, and and play play some some games. games. (laughs) It is grab a drink. That's right. I think. I don't know. We'll see you guys later. Bye. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) 